0: Maria, for that and also for helping pack the boxes. I did not know that you took some of the snacks for yourself. Um, although, I, when I was doing the postage on the boxes, these are some of the heaviest boxes we've ever sent. Uh, we had like 250 bags of popcorn, which was awesome. I thought we'd have some left over. So, either they all made it in the boxes or maybe you took some home. I'm not sure. But thank you for that help. Friends, would you? Join me in a moment of prayer. Gracious God, as we hear this story of thanksgiving, open our ears and our hearts that we would experience the gospel coming alive for us. May these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be faithful in your sight for you, God, and you alone. Are our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. The day did not go at all like he had planned. In fact, at one point in the day, he would have called it a complete disaster. All the young man wanted to do was to spend his Thanksgiving day in peace and quiet, walking in the woods alone. And so he had set off to walk 13 miles on a path called the Greenway, which is a system of nature trails just south of the city of Brussels in Belgium. Now, 13 miles is a long way to walk for anybody, but he was an experienced hiker. So he was confident that he could walk what for anybody would be a full day's journey and still have time for relaxation and reflection In the middle of the Belgian woods. It was set to be the perfect Thanksgiving day, or at least the best that he could hope for, being 4,500 miles away from home. But the day started off a lot slower than he would have liked. He found himself in a small grocery store at about about 10 a.m., the only store in the village, paralyzed with indecision about what foods he should buy to be worthy of the perfect Thanksgiving feast. He walked up and down the aisles for nearly 30 minutes, trying to find just the right items that would make his meal the meaningful experience he longed for. But all the labels were in Dutch, and he didn't read Dutch. So eventually he settled on a packet of tuna salad, a fresh baguette and a small bottle, Of red wine. Now, after he purchased his rations for the adventure, the next order of business for him was to find the beginning of the trailhead. And if he had had a hard time finding what foods to buy, this was even more challenging. He went to where his phone said the trail was supposed to start, but found nothing. And as he walked up and down the roads of the small village, his blood ran hot under his jacket as he searched for any sign of this green way, asking anybody who spoke any English if they could point him in the right direction. But for some reason, nobody could. He was on his own. And so with the sun already high in the sky, he decided that he had wasted enough of his time and set off defiantly and maybe a little arrogantly, down an unmarked road, hoping, trusting, that he would find his way eventually. But he didn't. The walk began beautiful enough. The forest was wonderful that day, with all of its fall colors in all of its glory, and for some reason there was nobody else out on the trail, so he was alone, and he had all the trees to himself. But the relaxing walk in the woods that he had hoped for never came to realization. He tried navigating his way with his phone's GPS, but the lack of service made him wish that he had listened to the grocery store clerk to buy a map. But he pushed forward, blind and hoping in vain that his intuition, his grit, his determination would finally find his way forward. He had never failed to find his way before or to get himself out when he he was in trouble. Why should this be any different? He eventually came to a crossroads in the path with two different directions laid out before him, one going left and one going right. And it was here at this crossroads that he realized that he was finally lost. Not only did he not know where to go, but he also realized that he did not even know where he wanted to go. He knew that the best choice was for him to backtrack and return to the village, but he wasn't quite ready to abandon the vision of his perfect Thanksgiving in the woods. Indecision gripped him even tighter than it did in the grocery store as he went back and forth, back and forth between returning to the village and pushing onward. Could he even find his way back if he tried? Or had he pushed himself beyond his abilities, beyond his limits, to a point where he was beyond safe return? He glanced at his watch, and he realized that he only had three hours before the last train left for the airport. There was no way that he could make it on time. And if he didn't make a decision soon, he began to fear that he would miss his flight. Despair crept over him. Lost in a strange wood and a foreign land, his self-reliance had finally failed him. How foolish he was to start walking without knowing where he was going. What pride to think that he could figure out his own path without the proper knowledge or tools. Blinded by his perfect vision or his vision of the perfect thanksgiving abroad, he had overreached. And gotten himself into a trouble he couldn't get himself out of. Now, he hadn't eaten all day, and as his stomach began to grumble, he reached into his pack and pulled out that little can of tuna salad and that French baguette and sat down on a piece of grass to start his Thanksgiving feast. At least he wouldn't starve. But just then, out of the silence of the wood, he began to hear footsteps. A savior emerged. At first, he could only hear them approaching, but then he saw out of the trees the figure of a woman walking with her dog, a black lab. The woman listened to the story of the young man's ill-fated adventure and invited him to join her and the dog for their walk with the promise that she would drive him to the nearest town where he could catch the train to the airport. And so they walked and talked as they left the crossroads together. The young man was impressed at how the woman seemed to know every twist and turn in the trail like the back of her hand. As it turned out, she and her dog walked these woods every week, and so she was able to navigate the unfamiliar terrain with a confidence the young man didn't have. They talked a lot about climate change and American politics, but their conversation eventually turned towards religion. She told him that she had worked as an office administrator but had struggled to find consistent work since the financial crash of 2008. And when she was in between jobs, she began going back to church and even joined a weekly Bible study in her spare time. Towards the end of their walk, she asked if they could sit down and have a snack. The young man agreed, for he remembered that he had been rescued before he could eat his bread and tuna fish. So they sat together on a large patch of grass, and after she gave thanks, they shared a simple meal. She shared her crackers, and she and he shared his tuna. Together they ate and they sipped red wine and told the stories of their lives. The young man asked if she knew it was Thanksgiving, and she said that she did, for many Europeans know about American holidays, even if they don't follow them themselves. You know, she said, I like to imagine that this idea of a big family potluck wasn't invented by you Americans, but actually started with Jesus. Have you ever heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000? all these people gather around and his disciples are worried that there won't be enough food to feed everyone. So they want to turn the people away, but Jesus insists that everyone sit down and prepare for a meal. The only thing available is some bread and a few pieces of fish, but after giving thanks over the food, Jesus passes it out to all the people and everyone has more than enough to eat. Now, the young man had heard this story before when he was a child in church, but it had been so long, he'd forgotten these details. It's one of his most famous miracles, she continued. It's the only miracle that's in all four of the Gospels, so you know it has to be telling us something important. Now, many people imagine Jesus taking the five loaves and the two pieces of fish and miraculously multiplying them when he prays. But if you actually read the text in all four of the Gospels, that's not what happens. And so some scholars have imagined that it was actually, this instance, the first church potluck. Where everybody brought a little that they had. And there was more than enough to go around. And everybody could eat. Well, that doesn't sound very miraculous to me the young man said. What good is the story if Jesus doesn't do something incredible or out of this world? And she simply smiled at him and offered him another cracker. Well, the story really isn't about the bread, she said. It's about the one who serves the bread. those words echoed in his ears when he finally arrived at the Brussels airport that evening, a full four hours before his flight, by the way. He settled into a big red armchair in the middle of Terminal 1, right in front of the large window where he could watch planes take off and land. He got out his journal and began to write and reflect on the day's misadventures. He couldn't help but laugh at himself when he remembered how disastrous the whole experience had been. Filled with wrong turns, indecisions, anxiety, and unrealized expectations, this Thanksgiving had been nothing like he had wanted. But then he remembered the woman and he smiled. And he remembered what she had said about the miracle when Jesus feeds the 5,000, that it isn't about the bread, it's about the one who serves the bread. He put down his journal and got out his phone, and he opened his Bible app and turned to John chapter 6. And as he reread this miracle story, he noticed, as if for the first time, that Jesus invites all the people to sit in the grass. And he remembered how he had sat in the grass with the woman in the woods. He noticed, as if for the first time, that Jesus gave thanks for the little food that was offered before he handed it out. And he remembered how the woman had prayed a simple prayer before they ate. He noticed how Jesus had distributed the food himself to all who were gathered even if it was a potluck, he thought. Jesus made sure that everybody was satisfied. He continued reading to the end of chapter 6 and was surprised that Jesus continues talking about bread for some reason. He especially loved verses 33 through 35, where Jesus says to the crowd, after he had fed them, For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and will never be thirsty. It isn't about the bread, he remembered. It's about the one who serves the bread. And since it was about time for dinner, he reached into the bottom of his backpack and he pulled out what was left of the now smushed baguette and the tuna. There was just a little bit left. He set the meal before him and he paused to look around the bustling airport. People moved in all directions, it was loud. An announcement blared over the intercom asking for Simon Peter to come to gate A24. And suddenly his heart was filled with gratitude, a gratitude that was deeper than any gratitude he had ever felt before. Of course, he had gratitude for his life, his health, for his family, as far away as they were. And especially that day, he had thanks for the kindness of strangers. But most of all, he felt gratitude for this strange miracle story in John chapter 6. And as he sat in the busy airport, he imagined himself as one of the 5,000 on that patch of grass sitting before Jesus. And there in the airport in Terminal 1, he heard Jesus' invitation not only for the 5,000, but also for him to come and sit at his table and enjoy a feast of the finest bread, not a bread that could be smushed in the bottom of a backpack but a bread that would satisfy and nourish him in the deepest parts of his soul. This bread would be like no bread he had ever tasted before. It would be a feast of forgiveness, mercy, healing, and the truest of love. It would be a feast of guidance and direction when he was lost in the woods, a feast of comfort in the midst of grief a feast of salvation when his abilities were not able to save him. He knew that he couldn't earn his spot at this table. He only had to accept the invitation to sit in the grass and be fed. And there he realized that the story is actually about the bread. Not the five loaves, not even the two fish, but the one who became bread so that everyone could eat and everyone could be satisfied. And so as he settled into an airport Thanksgiving, he gave thanks, not just for the bread and fish that were before him, but for the bread of heaven that had rescued him that day. And after giving thanks, he noticed the soft sound of piano music coming from a nearby piano. One of those were anybody who anybody can come and begin playing the tune was familiar to him it was a hymn that he used to sing when he was a child in church and for some reason the words came to him even though it had been years since he had sung it and so he hummed the tune quietly to himself as he ate his thanksgiving feast of bread and fish and as he sang he felt nourished in the deepest part of his soul and gratitude and joy overcame him.